Welcome to another episode of the Variety Podcast, Strictly Business, where we talk to some of the brightest minds working in media today. Entertainment that informs is the motto at Attention, a Los Angeles-based digital content company. It's a sentiment that pervades their work, from short Instagram videos to full-length series that appear on TV networks like Freeform. How a business that specialized in social video branched out to TV is what we'll talk about today with our next guest, Attention co-founder Matthew Siegel. Matthew, thanks for being here. Good to be here, Andrew. Thanks. So the motto, entertainment that informs, why is that so central to what you do? It goes back to the philosophy of why my co-founder, Jarrett Moreno, and I started the company, which is simply we came from politics and specifically running a a voter registration organization called OurTime.org. And when we tried to get people to care about the political system, to care about issues, we ran up against uh, a lot of resistance because, frankly, the, the language and the media used in Washington was often very wonky and complicated and tough to understand and boring and not that interesting. So we really tried to use a cultural and an entertainment-like sensibility to get people to care. And that was really the reason for being for why we started the company and to meet the consumer, of course, on all the platforms where they live, uh, to give them important information, but to not be too academic or medicinal with how we do it. You have to be fun. You have to be clever. You have to be creative. Uh, to get an important message across, and that's what we try to excel at. And so to this day, that's the through line that's everything in the short form to long form of it all? The through line across everything is that we try to cover purpose-driven stories, important issues, but we try to do it uh, through an entertaining um, style of programming or some kind of you know creative way of getting people to understand the issues. And that every issue we cover is deeply political, uh, or you know, incredibly legislative in its nature. We cover health and wellness. We do uh, a lot of programming around uh, what we call adulting, teaching young people sort of the life skills for when they age and become transitional in their lives, starting families, uh, buying a house, buying a car, all those kinds of things. But those are still important transitional uh, events in people's lives that they have to focus on, that they need context and information on. Often that information is presented to them in a boring way. We try to be entertaining in how we get it across to the consumer. But um, So we've definitely branched out more topics of focus than just, per se, politics or just, per se, uh, social issues. Well, it sounds like you're saying lifestyle to some degree. I remember Life, seeing a yeah. video, I think, about high heels with a YouTube influencer sure. in it. But, mean, in, but in that video, the, the sort of underlying message is that high heels uh, have evolved throughout history in who's worn them, uh, in their purpose. And fashion is often a testament to saying a lot about gender, our culture, uh, our social fabric, and so forth. So there's actually a deeper message um, in that particular video, which is part of our new Facebook Watch series, Undivided Attention, uh, which is hosted by various big in- influencers, Instagram stars, who break down one big issue each week and give it context. And that was our episode for Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. Well, I notice another word you're not using, an N-word, is news. Uh, you're not in the news business. That's not how you see it, even though obviously there's some commonality with traditional news. Yeah, I mean, so we're not in the news business, and we're very careful uh, not to delineate ourselves as a news company because news, while I love it, a lot of people love it, is reactive in nature. You generally wake up in the morning and you say, 
oh my God, what am I going to cover today? And it's often out of your control, uh, if not definitionally uh, at times out of your control. And um, programming is a more proactive business. When you say we have various series, various topics, various areas of interest that we want to cover and own and focus on, that is uh, generally more well thought out, more planned in advance, and uh, more geared toward um, you know, a, a longer production timeline. And that's where we see a business opportunity to make a bigger impact for the company. So it's, it's unscripted, it's serious-minded. Was that a fair way to describe the tone? I think it's substance-minded. Substance. Serious, to me, is too Not fun uh, synonymous with boring. Got it. Uh, and, and earnest is a word we try to avoid, too, because you don't want your content to feel overly earnest. Uh, we've all heard network execs say, this feels kind of earnest. Mm-hmm. And that's never a note that's often given with uh, a positive association. So we want things to feel uh, important. We want things to have magnitude, to have weight. Uh, but we don't want them to feel uh, too lecturing. Hmm. Well, I my guess is this approach of yours comes to bear in this uh, latest announcement from you guys that you'll be doing a show with Joe Biden, which, again, you hear something like Biden, it's like, oh, that's news. But that's not your approach. What are you doing with Joe exactly? So we're really excited to be partnering with the vice president on a IGTV series. So it is a vertically shot for the mobile screen for Instagram TV series of explainer videos with the vice president on big topics that he and attention see as important consequential themes for the election and beyond that voters need to know about. But they're broken down in a fun, accessible, and relatable way. These aren't uh, academic lectures uh, from the vice president. Uh, These are graphic-intensive, personal stories infused with policy uh, contextualizing from the VP using the sort of sensibility of how attention makes politicians, makes elected officials feel relevant and interesting to a wider audience, something that we're very proud of. I'm proud of having come from Washington, D.C., and always uh, at times banged my head against the wall at, at the difficulty that politicians have at getting their message out is that they often don't meet voters on the platforms that they live, and they often uh, don't necessarily try to make their message or their communications goals uh, seem fun and interesting and culturally analogous. And we really try to push them a little bit out of their comfort zone at the end of the day. Uh, they are political animals, so there's only so much pushing you can do on certain so politicians. give but an example. We've worked with everyone from um, Biden when he was in the White House to uh, numerous cabinet secretaries to both Democratic and Republican senators, Lindsey Graham. We've worked with Elizabeth Warren. We've worked with Chuck Schumer. We've worked with John Kerry when he was secretary of state, uh, all to get their policy uh, issues of interest that we find important and compelling tens of millions of views on the Internet. And we're really proud of that. I mean, we had an aha moment at first when there was a uh, summit that Secretary Kerry was hosting on the importance of our oceans. Kind of a meh topic at face value. But when he talked about the overfishing and the plastics in our ocean and the fact that the ocean is you know, the source of so much life and ecosystem for all of us, and then we put that into a really simple uh, graphic-focused context, the video did more than 20 million views. And we said, 
wow, this is the most viral video that certainly the State Department has ever engaged in trying to get out a message across on social. And so can we scale this to other political uh, individuals who want to work with us to get their message out in a creative way? And we're well, proud of that. Talking about getting the message out sounds to me like is he not basically saying he's either testing the waters for the presidency or he's all in? I mean, this this to me is akin to what another candidate might have done in a previous era in book form to an older audience. He's perhaps savvily targeting the millennial crowd who will be voters. Look, Vice President Biden has said that he's going to make his decision of whether he's running in January. I think he said that publicly uh, several weeks ago. Um, So you'll have to ask his team uh, for the real-time updates on that. I think what attention was excited to do was to convince a major national politician like the vice president to say, look, you have an important message you want to get out to voters. Let's think about not just doing that through going on Meet the Press or This Week or one of the Sunday shows or going on CNN. Let's do that through mobile. Let's do that on IGTV. We're also distributing them on our Facebook and Twitter and YouTube handles. Uh, as well as his. So these will reach a lot of eyeballs on different platforms, but it's native to digital. And yes, it did force certain members of the Biden team out of their comfort zone. But um, how do you make Joe Biden uncomfortable? uh, You just, well, we didn't purposely try to make him feel uncomfortable, but you just uh, have to explain to people who don't always get what it's like to get information first through a mobile phone, the process of discovery that consumers have and how people get information today through discovery. They don't get it always intentionally. Mm -hmm. People don't know what they're looking for when they log on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. They go down a rabbit hole and they just scroll on the feed and they, oh, wow, this is interesting. I'll watch this. So just explaining that that sort of shift from intentional 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time viewing to this era of discovery was a big shift in sort of outlook for comms people who come from the Washington, D.C. establishment. So do you think people are going to come away from your Joe Biden show with a different sense of the man than the man they who's obviously very already well known? I think he looks really casual in it. Uh, in some episodes, he took off his sport jacket. Ooh, uh, crazy. He looks young. He looks fresh. And he's forward looking for doing it. And I give him a lot of credit. I mean, trust me, a lot of politicians would uh, say, why would I want to do something on this platform that's only been out a few weeks called Instagram TV. What is it? But there's a curiosity from him and from the and from his uh, organization that wanted to experiment. And I give any uh, politician credit who wants to experiment with new media. So let's switch gears here and talk a bit about Instagram TV. It's sort of the new platform for video. Uh, it's gotten a certain degree of buzz. I'm curious from your perspective, why do you need to play here? So Instagram is becoming the fastest growing new media platform with millennials around. It's certainly the most sticky. It's certainly where more celebs, more public figures are putting their time and energy. They're shifting it from Twitter and Facebook and into Instagram. It's one of the only accounts, quite honestly, that most, at least celebrities in the entertainment world, manage themselves. They don't just defer to their PR teams and say, hey, put this on my Twitter or put this on my Facebook. They're very carefully curating and owning their own Instagram. And also, uh, Instagram is gaining users from Snapchat uh, as they get slightly older and as they've uh, basically launched the stories feature. And so Instagram already has a you know, hundreds of millions of active users spending mi- numerous minutes a day and hundreds of minutes per month 
on the platform. But is monetization um, there? So monetization is not there. And trust me, I'm frustrated about that too. We'll get to that in one second. Okay, but, sorry. Uh, on the IGTV side, to answer your question, um, there is sort of the idea that we have this consumer base. It's sticky. It loves our platform. Can they stay on longer and actually watch something um, on the train? Uh, you know, when they're walking down the street, in the backseat of a car, when they're waiting in line, that's three, four, five, six minutes long. And then eventually, of course, they're going to serve mid-roll ads, and they're going to serve. Um, Publishers, uh, they're going to pick select publishers to really pay for programming. I mean, the writing's on the wall that they're going to have to move in that direction because they want to monetize it more effectively too. And so we think that by being an early adopter on the platform and by using it and experimenting it and, and experimenting with it and getting smart with it, uh, we'll be ready to be one of the marquee publishers on it once they uh, release premium programming. Outside of that, I'm sure attention has content on every major platform out there. Uh, I, I know it's hard to sort of wrap it all in a nutshell, but what is it like in 2018 dealing with these tech giants and monetization challenges up and down each of these platforms? So monetization is, is definitely uh, top of mind for every digital publisher, and it evolves constantly. And the one thing I've learned, you know, we founded Attention four years ago. The one thing I learned uh, quickly with this business is if you're not nimble and you're not constantly willing to shift and change and slightly pivot and change your, your programming philosophy and your optimization philosophy, you're in big trouble. The world, the culture, the platforms, they all evolve and move so quickly now that if you get stuck in your ways, you're going to get quickly left behind. So we really try to embrace a flexible culture at Attention where we have a great team who's constantly experimenting, constantly excited to test new things. You know, there's a lot of testing, testing, testing. And I don't mean testing in like a how do we hack the system kind of way. I mean testing like let's see if this new style works, if this new format works. And then we use those data points to then invest in bigger series that we want to spend more of our capital on. But um, in terms of monetization, YouTube's the most mature of the platforms. They have a really good monetization system, uh, but it's also the toughest platform to grow a new following from scratch because there's so many incumbents on the platform. And it's a much tougher discoverability platform because there's so much content on there and they don't have really a feed the way that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter do that uh, it's tougher to find things that you don't already know about. Most people go on YouTube, I believe still, still for music, searching for particular songs that they want to listen to or artists that they want to hear. That's actually the number one use of YouTube uh, based on what I've heard. And then after that, there's media programming and all, all other kinds of things. With respect to Facebook, Facebook's getting better at monetization. We make most of our money through selling uh, branded content, custom content, uh, and campaigns uh, direct to brands that will often air on the various different social platforms. Um, so that's a direct relationship we have with the brands where Facebook's not as much the middleman. Um, but even the mid-roll ads where Facebook is the middleman, we're starting to see, you know, I wouldn't quite say an encouraging amount, but a closer to encouraging amount of mid-roll and programmatic revenue from that. We have four shows on Facebook Watch. That's original programming funding. That's good money. Facebook's budgets are getting, you know, akin to all the major premium TV and OTT services. Uh, Twitter monetization is tough uh, across the board, but mo mostly it's through the pre-roll ads. And Instagram monetization is the toughest, and obviously that's the most new. Sure. Well, I mean, 
as I said off the top, you know, none of these platforms uh, are taking it to easy street, which is why you're also very active on the long form yes. side. Uh, give us the, a taste of some of the prominent TV projects you've got. So uh, speaking of the long form side of things, we've realized because we're in L.A. and we very intentionally decided to start attention and base attention out of Los Angeles, that IP is critical for futuristic media companies. You can't just worry about virality as a publisher. We get a lot of virality, and we're proud to make viral videos that reach sometimes hundreds of millions of people. But we also need to have IP that's scalable up and down to television, to streaming services, to you know potentially international outlets for a licensing and syndication business. Uh, that allow us to create alternate streams you know, for the business as it becomes more mature. So in that sense, we're excited to take things that we've developed online and have tested online, like our America versus franchise, where we compare our country to other countries uh, and see what we can learn from people abroad in terms of the solutions to problems like uh, you know, pollution or problems like uh, the cost of goods and services, or even like how they run their transit systems more efficiently than we do. And uh, we've done 60 episodes of that show digitally. It's done over a billion views. Uh, it's safe to say that every single episode has pretty much gone viral or gotten millions and millions and millions of views. And so we already know it works. And so when we take that to a TV partner and we say, this works, it's proven, it can market the show and have a shelf life off of linear, but once we attach an interesting host and um, you know an interesting group of producers to it, this is a hard project to say no to. Not to say that they can't say no. Trust me, we have a lot of humility in the TV space, but it's the way that we have a competitive advantage in pitching, that we have this huge marketing mechanism and built-in distribution. So unlike other production companies that are just doing great productions, but can't really market their productions and bring millions of built-in eyeballs to them, we can. Hmm. It almost, when I hear you talk, it almost makes me think nowadays why anyone in unscripted television would not have at the foundation of their business this kind of virality machine that creates uh, promotion, that can be harnessed uh, just for testing and all that. Uh, That's our competitive advantage. That's what we're all banking on. That was... and. Not to give ourselves too much credit because we've made a lot of mistakes too, but that was always part of the plan. Build an audience that's real, that's authentic, that can serve up proof points to then create IP that can be scaled everywhere on every platform. And look, platforms are going to come and grow. Some platforms are going to eventually screw you. Um, But the, the truth of the matter is you have good content and good IP at the end of the day. You'll have longevity. Hmm. And so... What is the financial health of your business right now? You've gone through a few rounds. We have $24 million, I think. Uh, are you set up for the next round? Are you looking to be acquired? What, what, what's your... So when, when you start a business, you always have to keep in mind that you're building it for the long haul. Um, so, I mean, we're not imminently trying to have any kind of transaction. Of course, if some incredible offer comes along, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that we wouldn't take it. There's always an opportunity to grow your business inside someone other's function and to actually expedite your growth and to be uh, a problem solver for a larger institution. There's a lot of consolidation happening in the industry. Um, We have raised capital. Content's expensive. High quality content's expensive. And uh, we've wanted to use the capital we've raised to invest and try things, some of 
which thankfully have worked. Uh, we also need great content creators. We need great animators. We need great graphics people, all of whom work at attention and who are excellent at their jobs. Uh, and we you know, try to pay them well uh, and, and compensate them for their work. And most importantly, uh, you know, we want to be able to launch new business units. We just announced uh, recently that we hired a head of television development. And you know, that's a business unit over the next six to 12 months we're investing more resources into. Um, is that for scripted? That's for unscripted and maybe scripted too. You know, there's an, there's an opportunity to do purpose-driven content in the scripted space. Uh, you know, my, one of my favorite shows, for an example, that, that, that's a great example of that is 13 Reasons uh, on Netflix. You know, there's a lot of issues around suicide, mental health that are sort of woven into the script of that show. Um, you know, however uh, controversial some of those topics might be. Uh, that really create and foster a conversation among people socially and in person. Uh, but it's an entertainment scripted show. I think attention can totally pull off a 13 reasons type of show in its future. But first, we're going to start with some of the, um, you know, walk before we run obvious unscripted ideas. Um, you know, we have Facebook watch shows right now with uh, Jessica Alba, with Zoe Deschanel, with Neve Shulman and his wife, Laura Prolongo, like I said, with a bunch of Instagram stars. That stuff um, we're really excited about. We it's mid form. It's in that coveted five to ten minute premium, ah, professionally coveted. produced uh, space that everyone's talking about. Uh, we see ourselves as a leader in mid form content. I've said publicly, and I'll say it again: we want to be the HBO of mid form content. We want to be the premium, best in the business at making five to ten minute content. I see that as a huge growth area for ourselves, for consumers. Uh, watch times are going up. Consumers aren't quite as impatient as they were. They're willing to stay on a video now for three or four minutes as opposed to 60 seconds when we started this business four years ago. 60 seconds, they were off. Uh, now they'll stay three or four minutes. So we really want to own this mid-form space and do a great job of being one of the best production companies for mid-form and then one of the best distribution channels for mid-form too. And so are you seeing concrete signs of consumption that suggest Midform is working on any particular place now. That's why I'm bullish on Instagram TV because, uh, based on their their testing and, and their user data, people are staying on Instagram for video longer, especially on Instagram Stories for longer than a minute. And if people are going to watch a long Instagram story all the way through, they figured people can watch video all the way through. Facebook, we've seen retention time go up. Facebook Watch uh, retention times going up. YouTube has the highest minutes watch it's ever seen. They just reported that their watch time's way up. So watch time across all the platforms is going up, which makes me think, okay, I, it doesn't have to be 60 seconds. Um, I have a short attention span. I've never been uh, secretive about that. But even my attention span for video content, I've noticed, is going up just because I'm used to saying, okay, I'm going to stay on this thing longer because more programmers are holding my attention because they're getting better at production. And um, that's good, by the way. What's going to clean up Facebook, what's going to clean up Instagram, what's going to clean up YouTube is more professionally produced mid-form and short-form content. That's actually good, high-quality, trusted stuff. And on those platforms, are you seeing signs that attention is becoming a true consumer brand? Yes. In, I mean, obviously, no one builds a consumer brand overnight. Uh, and you have to build franchises and IP and personality-driven stuff uh, that you're known for. But day by day, more people are not only recognizing the brand, 
opting into the brand, seeking out our programming, especially a lot of our shows, talking about our programming, using our programming as an example of people who are doing things well than ever before. But the attention brand in its best form is uh, a stamp of approval uh, for content that has both a purpose-driven element and an entertainment element. And that's where we're sort of really trying to own a sweet spot uh, with how we scale things as we get longer and longer form and, and become more mature. And so within the B2B space, the attention brand, I assume, is synonymous with creating good content, branded content. Uh, white the- label content, too, and also consulting for brands. We have a big consulting and white label business and production services business for our brand partners, too. Helping, uh, say, marketers or those brands find their way So online. marketers have historically been amazing at hiring agencies and production companies to say, make me an amazing 30-second TV spot or a 60-second TV spot. What, what they've not historically found the right partners on is how do we make an incredibly effective two- to three-minute social spot? And by the way, that can't necessarily always come from Wyden Kennedy or one of these Madison Avenue type of firms. I have no problem with Wyden Kennedy, but you know they specialize in TV, and they specialize in beautiful, incredible TV, but they don't specialize in the sort of phone-oriented, mobily-consumed style of well-shot, well-produced, tight, concise storytelling that is optimized to share well on mobile. And that's what we do every day, editorially and originally. And so we know how to, it's in our DNA. It's not mm-hmm. a cultural shift for us. It's who we are. And so when we go to a brand, whether that's our brand partners at Samsung or IBM or T-Mobile, and we say, look, you can hire a firm to do your TV, but you also know that billions of users are on Facebook, billions of users are on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and Snap, and they're actively you know, interacting with topics of the world. And if you don't create programming there that feels a little bit more authentic to the platform, you know, with all due respect, you're in trouble. Mm. And they understand that message, and they're using us as a trusted partner for it. And so, uh, you know, knock on wood, our brand business has been really solid, um, and our clients are pleased. And I hope uh, we continue to grow it as uh, the new year comes. What is what is your revenue mix, or maybe the better question is, what do you want it to be? What what is going to be the the engine here between branded content, long form? So thankfully, right now it's about it's close to like a third, a third, a third, a third original programming, a third white label and consulting and production services, and then a third custom and branded content. We'd like to get more into all the diversification of revenue models that you're seeing more mature media companies have. So that's TV. Um, that's licensing and syndication. We haven't even scratched the surface of a licensing and syndication business, but we have properties that are certainly internationally relevant, certainly can be licensed by the OTT platforms. We just did a small deal with Zumo, uh, which is one of our first OTT platforms we're on. Uh, we see, believe it or not, merchandise uh, as an opportunity. You know, We have shows that uh, talk about a lot of health and wellness and food-related topics from not the perspective of recipes, but from the perspective of health and nutrition. And we see the opportunity to create marketplaces around some of that stuff that we're going to test uh, down the road. And so we're really interested in every kind of diversification. We have no uh, pride over one revenue stream and no obsession over one revenue stream. Obviously, like we have core revenue streams, but we have to be nimble and creative with what we're open to. Um, you know, company like Variety does events. Uh, who knows? Events might be in attention's future. There's a lot of opportunity, but right now we're about a third, a third, a third in those three buckets I just mentioned. 
besides Variety, is there a company out there in the media space that you look at them and they're like, that's where we're trying to get at, either from a revenue mix or just a brand yeah. identity? Or I'll be honest, I really respect Vice. You know, they've had their problems. They've, they've had some HR issues recently that you know hopefully they're correcting. But the fact is, and they missed their revenue target last year, and no one's perfect. But like over 20 years, they've built a business that, for all of its flaws, has great programming and great content. And at the end of the day, we're content creators. So that's your core product. And their content's good. Their HBO stuff is good. Uh, their YouTube stuff is great. Um, their you know ability to tell a story, I think, is well executed most of the time. And they've created all kinds of interesting agency-like revenue streams, event-like revenue streams, um, experiential-type stuff. Uh, obviously, a ton in the in the IP licensing and syndication international world. And so, I think they're a good comp for like what we've in some ways aspired to do uh, in terms of the diversification of revenue streams. Um, but like, you know, I also love a lot of old older media institutions. 60 Minutes is my favorite show on television. Um, I think they're the best storytellers, uh, certainly in the unscripted space. And, you know, we're inspired by certain things that they do to really take an evergreen topic and contextualize it and go deep. Uh, and I, I think we've... Uh, you know, been inspired by both new and old players. One last question. Point to a particular project besides Joe Biden that you've got coming out in the coming months that you think people should pay attention to. Sorry, pun. Uh, but that speaks to where attention is going as a company. So um, without disclosing the particular network, because I, I can't quite say that yet. I wish I could. All right. Um, we have a, a news magazine show that I'm very excited about. You just use the N-word. <laughs> I thought we I weren't doing that. I, I use it because it's the easiest way to characterize the show, but it's not news-driven in the sense of it's not like reactive to what's happening this week. We have to cover it. It's more of a mag... I sh you know what? You're right, Andrew. I should not have said the word news. Rebrand. Uh, Rebrand. It's a magazine show. It's a documentary magazine show Okay. Uh, that we're really excited about and that will employ the best style and sensibility of attention using the sort of animation-focused, graphic-focused, uh, contextualizing approach to things where um, you know, people will say, oh, wow. And so that's a project we're really excited about. Um, we have a couple other projects with politicians uh, and um, current and former elected officials that I'm excited about. And then we have some stuff in the lifestyle space that I'm really excited about. Our, our show, Your Foods Roots, with Zoe Deschanel, season two is coming out very soon. I just screened one of the episodes this morning. It's fantastic. We see that becoming a hit on OTT platforms. And Zoe you know, is now finishing up New Girl. She's looking for the next project in her career. And we have a good marriage at the moment. I hope we can do more with her. Interesting. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on you guys and see what else comes out of the pipeline. Matt, thanks for coming in and talking. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Music.